Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Sterla Brand Groveland. Hello, hello. Right then, we've come to talk about Last and First Men, which is will premiering at uh, Bill and Ali on the 25th of February. You've shot this movie, and I guess as a project, it's the way it's billed to me is Last and the First Men by Johan Johansson, the music composer who sadly passed away far too early in his life. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I can see that you're down as producer and cinematographer for this project. So do you want to, do you want to sort of a give, give, give the listener what would be a summary of this film project and B tell people what your role is. Um, the, the film is um, sort of a sci-fi experimental documentary uh, film it's it's um it's not it doesn't follow a classical narrative there's no uh actors uh, appearing in front of the camera it's um it's an idea that was based on uh the book uh, or the novel uh, last and first men by olaf stapleton who is a science fiction uh, author mm-hmm. in the 30s um and uh, so, and which uh, tells a story about the last human race, two billion uh, years into the future, uh, communicating with with the past, which means our present. Um, Scary. Talking thought. about the the end of the human race, basically, and kind of it's a very philosophical uh, story, uh, and and. Uh, the images um, kind of following this um, story, which is narrated by Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. uh, are from these kind of abstract futuristic uh, monuments that was built during the communist area in Yugoslavia. That's the T2 built to kind of uh, unite uh, Yugoslavia. And it's, it's kind of, it's, um, it's this lost utopia in a way, which also the, the novel... Uh, was uh, talking about or Got you. which all of us yeah um as and it shot in black and white uh 16 millimeter film um so yeah it it's uh, it's kind of an experimental film it's a feature length uh film uh and um that we're finally gonna be able to sh- show to the to the world at berlin we shot the film in uh I think 2014, and then uh, by Johan's uh, uh, passing in 2018, the film still wasn't finished. So, uh, so the music was also, you know, um, more on a 
it was maybe kind of half finished. Uh, and then and another composer, which which was a collaborator of Johan, took over and sort of completed the score. For, for got you, got you. So in terms of in terms of shooting this movie, and 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 you say you say it's an experimental sort of narrative. Is 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 that reflective of the book? Is the book an experimental? I mean, I've not read the book, so is the book also a, a, an experimental narrative, or is this is this more to sort of create an abstract out of out of what you have as the base? Yeah, the book is is more of like a, a philosophical uh, thoughts and ideas, uh, kind of uh, speaking about uh, a, a kind of fictional future. You know, it's it's a very science fiction hmm. book, but it doesn't have main characters. It's, it's almost like a, a document of of the future, you know, of of the human race uh, from from. 1930 to two billion years. I was going to say it's, it's quite scary, isn't it? When you think, I mean, it's, it makes you wonder. You know, two million years away, would you give a shit if someone told you the, the human race is going to end? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because it talks a lot about uh, you know the time aspect that you know that the the last human race, you know, two billion years into the future, they're they're seeing this, you know, that their their planet is dying in in 30,000 years, the planet will die, you know, and and uh, suddenly it became very sort of actual with, with you know the the environmental mm. discussion and and you know the uh, how we're kind of destroying our plants and and that's been you know a big topic the last few years which which it wasn't yeah it wasn't such a you know a, on on the agenda when we shot the film but it's kind of uh, come up no uh, I, was, I was thinking lately. I was thinking more of like when Olaf is writing the book in the thirties. Yeah. Nobody was thinking we're destroying the planet. You know, exactly. we're, we're still yeah. full steam ahead with whatever yeah. the industrial revolution was giving us, and we were just developing and advancing technologies at a rate that we didn't realize was becoming exponential. I mean, they argue, don't they, now that we've developed, technologically speaking, quicker in the last 70 years than we did the previous 700, which, yeah. which kind of puts 2 billion years into perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's quite interesting uh, how how you know this, you know, suddenly uh, Old Stapleton's uh, you know book, novel is both you know very actual, but also it's 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 time. It's kind of uh, concept of time is is very different from what we're experiencing today. I think. Yeah, I mean, we're we're totally we can't even deal with somebody saying in fifty years time because some people yeah. go, I don't care, I'll be dead. You're like. Yeah, but a yeah. lot of people won't be. <laughs> yeah, it's not even existential, is it? It's kind of like there's a there's a reason to worry, and then they go, no, no. So, it, so you you've made some some specific choices here. So you've said sixteen mil black and white. Now, audiences to my podcast will have heard me talk to both the star and the writer director of Bait, which was a fairly successful movie uh, during uh, two thousand nineteen in Britain that was shot. Mm -hmm. on, shot I don't know if you've seen it. Um, which, no, inter I have not. which interestingly, this brings us full circle because it it will premiered at Berlin Alley last year, and at the time, um, nobody knew nobody apart from the filmmakers and those closest to them were really aware of the movie, and it will premiered at Berlin. It was the only British film sort of playing a world premiere, and then it's been that lovely. It's not quite the same level as Parasite, um, but certainly it's it's still showing in cinemas now. It's still playing at festivals now, and yet. It's been released on home entertainment. It's done its traditional cinema run. 
Right. And and this is 16 mil and yeah, and, and black and white, which obviously books a trend in terms of what we're used to seeing. But what what was your reason for wanting to shoot uh, Last and First Men on 16 mil black and white? Um, that was actually the Johan's, uh, that's kind of was his visuals. I realized that, that he, you know, if you, if you also just look at his album, you know, cover art and stuff, it, a lot of it was, is black and white. I think that's like, um, an interesting part of him was that he was, uh, much more visual than, than I think people, people realize. Mm. Um, I, I feel like I, you know, when I met him, it was like under uh, the circumstance of him being a director. So I, I, I of course knew of his work, uh, you know, as a composer and was a fan and everything, but, but our relationship was one of a director and cinematographer. So, um, and, and the tests, he, he had done some, some kind of test shoots and, and he also shot a kind of a short film that was, a um, that was kind of a pre, uh, what do you call it? Um, Proof of concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, f- for this film, mm-hmm. uh, which he shot on, on black and white eight millimeter. Uh, okay, so, okay. So he that was he. I th- think he wanted. I think one one thing is it's kind of part of his the way he saw things and, and his visual uh, fingerprint. But it's also that he wanted last and first men to almost feel like. Uh, uh, document you know play with this time the idea of time it's like a science fiction uh there's like this futuristic human race that are talking to us but it's shot on like an old medium that could have been like shot 70 years ago um so it's kind of playing with these concepts so it's it kind of is it's, it's sort of complementing and juxtaposing the notion of timelessness as well as being out of date at the same time yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I saw it as like, imagine if someone had like you know dug up these film rolls in the middle of the desert somewhere, mm. uh, you know, fifty years ago, and then kind of put it together, and it was this document of the <laughs> from the future or something. Uh, but on you know uh, film rolls, which is uh, you know the the analog form. I think that that was also very important for Johan. You know, that maybe also in his music, you know, that he. He worked very, you know, analog. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was. I think I was saying to you, the guys handling the PR on this. My, my first contact with Jon Johansson's music was the Apparat Organ Quartet. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Which was amazing. Yeah. This amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazingly ambitious, <laughs> sort of almost almost daft project. But when you heard <laughs> it, it made perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So. Um, the last cinematographer I spoke to was I did a retrospect. I did a look back on with um, Larry Smith on working with um, Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut and Nicholas Wine and Refn on uh, Only God Forgives as a kind of little insight. But with with um, with Jon Johansson being your being your director, what how did the conversations go in terms of in terms of what what you were then trying to capture and what for you as a cinematographer do you feel? are the benefits of shooting in black and white 16 mil, but also what, what, what would be the kind of challenges that present themselves as almost like threats to it kind of unraveling and not quite being pulled off. Um, the, the conversations we had, uh, together, uh, was, was 
lot about you know the finding the the monuments we wanted to shoot and kind of approaching them um not as um you know single monuments but how could we uh make them abstract and almost how and how can we make them move in a way uh because we, we wanted this sort of uh, almost like a, being inside a spaceship or looking at some sort of futuristic uh, um, buildings or spaceships or what have you not that is, so we were, we were trying to um not necessarily show them in in all their glory but but create these abs, you know abstract images of them and, and try to connect them in that sense is, so is is the is the is the, i mean i should say to the listener that i i'm talking about <laughs> this having not seen it so sense the sort of nature of my questions so is it is it a sense that we're looking at the images from the point of view of the people from two billion years in the future and what they see to help tell the story or are we looking at the world as a now while hearing the the warnings from the future it's it's kind of a mix it's okay uh it's it's it could be an alien sort of planet or a futuristic planet um Hmm. It could be the world now abandoned uh, and empty, you know, because there's no human beings in the film. Um, these monuments, I should say, are, um, you know, were built on, on the idea that they shouldn't have any kind of religious or ethnic um, association. So, so they're very. The style is very, you know, uh, it's concrete and it's it's uh, it's they're they're very futuristic and very abstract and they're kind of, you know, science fictiony uh, in themselves. So uh, we kind of had that going for us. Uh, yeah, because beginning, I was going to say because that's one of the things that because futuristic is a kind of oxymoron, isn't it? Because because you build them in a present. <laughs> yeah. So so they kind of get the, the buildings almost going. I'm the future now. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. a way yeah exactly um but what's interesting is that that you, they they don't look like anything else so so they could be you know from designed uh by you know aliens or whatever so it's uh it's quite interesting um yeah the still the, the still i've got i'm looking at while talking to you now is of a beautiful skyline with hardly a cloud and these kind of what, what looks to be almost like a kind of deconstructed pyramid because you can see triangle tops but then as you follow the shape down it begins to invert on itself so it's not quite a true image so it's quite angular and aggressive yeah. and, and obviously as the architectural term goes brutalist in its yeah. in its uh and you've got a, a natural mountain in the background going that's what the natural world looks like look how gentle it is <laughs> compared to yeah, exactly. what man does yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but i'm a uh... Let me think. What was the other part of the question? Um, oh, what? yeah, the the, the conversation. So just to get back to what conversations we were having, we were, you know, a lot of it was like deciding what, which monuments to shoot and how they, you know, connected, mm. um, and and um, and also how we work with movement uh, in in the image. Um, what, what do you think the benefit is to? I mean, the other part of the question, I was, I was, I guess, I was, I, I, get, I kind of got carried away with my thinking as i'm saying it but um <laughs> what's the benefit for you in shooting in black and white as a cinematographer um well first of all it's, it's a very um it's a very kind of clean format okay because uh, you 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 
when you take away the color, I feel like it's it, you. Your focus is much more on, or it's easier to to keep track of the image somehow, mm-hmm. um, or to to read the image uh, in a way. So it's um, it's for I, I for me it's it's cleaner in that sense. Um, but I haven't worked. I still you know haven't shot a except for the last first man. I haven't shot a, a feature film in black and white. Um, it's not much interest in doing that. Yeah, yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a preconception that it won't sell tickets. You know, a lot of projects that I've heard of that want to shoot in black and white are kind of stopped by the investors or, you know, they won't get funding to make the film just because um, if they shoot in black and white. There was, uh, so, I, don't if you, I don't know if you saw this, was, there was a there was an Amazon review knocking around on, on social media this week in regards to The Lighthouse. Which yeah. obviously shot on is that sixty yeah. L, isn't it, black and white? Um, thirty-five. I think. Or is it thirty-five? Right. Okay. So um, <laughs> it, it, the review on the review on Amazon gave it one star, and said our group left the cinema ten minutes into this movie when we understood it was black and white. After some bartering with the manager, we got a last-minute swap for Jumanji in full color. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's so sad. It's it, the... it's amazingly tragic, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought uh, Lighthouse was exceptional and an amazing film, and, yes. and uh, the cinematography absolutely deserved the Oscar nomination. And uh, well, I was going to yeah. say, with black and white, you get that, you get that, you get the ability to go. I'm going to make you look at this bit. I'm going to light it, or I'm going to capture the moment in a sense of I want. I guess in from you as a cinematographer, where you're going, this is. I want to draw your eye here. There's yeah. Because there's yeah. not the colours to distract you, so it's really about light and shade, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about the you know the black and white. <laughs> and how and how and, of, yeah. and how does it? I, I mean, I'm guessing you don't always get the the, the luxury of working on film. Um, how, how does it as opposed to digital equipment? That's the sort of more. I mean, I don't know. Is that is that you? Is that you? I'm making a presumption there. Do you usually shoot digitally, or is 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 film something you try and try and use all the time? I usually shoot digitally. Um, it's, you know, a lot of times it's a conversation with the director and, and the producers. If, you know, if the director has a strong idea and wants to shoot film, uh, then it's much easier uh, to kind of get through through, through with that. Um, if you're kind of alone and feel like this, is, this project would be great on film, then it, it's kind of a harder to get you know the producers convinced mm. because there's also a preconception that 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 it is uh, more expensive. It's a you know it's a budget reasons often that you from, end up shooting digital. So from a creative point of view though, and you being you being the cinematographer, mm-hmm. so so when you when you when you've obviously in this in this project you've you've got full permission to shoot on film. It's what the project's going to be done on. What yeah. what what challenge what practical challenges does film Represent because obviously you could shoot a film on digital and make it black and white. That's not a, that's not. So what what is it that the sixteen mil film gives you that digital wouldn't? But then correspondingly, what are the challenges of shooting on film because film doesn't react the same way as digital does? I I would say that you know that the 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 inherent texture and uh, just the look of film is is quite unique. It doesn't mean that you can't replicate that. In you know, in the digital world, right. uh, you know, a lot of people will argue that you know you can always, you know, get there. Uh, 
in your color grade or whatever. Um, but but you you don't go there. That's the thing. It's it's like when you shoot on film, you can't kind of es- escape that look. So it's it's your decision making process. You are you you're much more uh, in front of that. So you don't design the look necessarily at the end of the film, which happens a lot when you when you shoot digital. Is like we can you know we can fix that in the post or in mm. the grade or we you know then we can then we can start playing with colors and um but with film it's it's come already set from the beginning you've made that strong choice uh which opens up you know for other kind of creative uh processes i think so what um, so what kind of creative processes can you explore with film that you wouldn't necessarily do if you were shooting digitally um I feel like when we once you start step into the analog world, you want to, you kind of want to keep going that direction. So maybe you were more open to practical effects, uh, you know, you know, kind of doing it more old school, you know, mm. um, you know, getting, you know, making a shot and 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 kind of uh, 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 shaping it in camera uh, as opposed to you know doing it later. Uh, so I, th- I think your your mind kind of goes more into that space when when you shoot film. Um, yeah, it's that sense. The, it's that sense, isn't it? Of of the uh, you've got to organize the frame. It's not about you're not capturing anything. Are you? You're you're getting a shot, aren't you? When you're doing film, if that makes sense. Sorry, if, I was saying, uh, I was saying it, it, the idea of you're going to set the shot up to be what it is, as opposed to there's a, there's ten, there's a tendency. I've heard talking to directors from a digital point of view, which is just get as much foot, get as much capture as much as you can, and we'll work out what we've got. Whereas you're going, your intent is right yeah. at the start, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's, it, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, that that uh, you you make uh, stronger choices, I think, or you you kind of you have to stick to them, or you you're more aware of your choices. Somehow. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, so it, it becomes a sort of a mentality thing, you know, that you that when you shoot on film it's you know what what you shoot is what you get is, is um, that like is that so it's almost like a kind of a retreat into the language of cinema isn't it because i'm mean, not saying that people don't shoot that way digital by any stretch but with film you're forced to consider because because it's not so much time is money but roles of film are money aren't they <laughs> yeah and and you, you can kind of hear the money rolling when you roll film you know <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very <laughs> And it's a very, it's it's much more kind of physical experience being around the film camera somehow. You know, you have to unload the film, and it's you know, there's kind of some sort of greater respect around the camera, and uh, and also mystery because you're not, you don't, you 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 don't have the image immediately. So you know, you send it away to the lab, and there's a chemical sort of magical process happening, and then you, you know, next day or. You know, you get it back, and then you see what you what you shot. It's it's uh, it's kind of more magical for me. <laughs> so, in that sense, then conversations you had with Johan when you were making this when you were making this film, what 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 particular shots of what particular buildings or, or or landscapes can you can you describe that you were particularly proud of what you pulled off in terms of what Johan was was after and what you achieved? Um. 
interesting. I can, I can tell a little bit of you know the the process of us when we were shooting the film. Yeah, please do. Uh, was that you know we we would go early in the morning, first light. We shot in November, mm-hmm. uh, kind of driving around the Balkans, um, and we would you know me and Johan would then walk around the monument, which with uh, each of our digital cameras and and photograph it from kind of different angles or like try to create movements and then you know we would uh, compare our shots and then kind of decide okay this this looks interesting and what about this and uh and then we would kind of just go go that was would be our storyboarding (laughs) session and then we would start shooting setting up the camera um and uh, as for shots, we, we, we got some amazing footage, like shooting in the fog, um, uh, with, you know, having this huge building monument in front of us and kind of slowly zooming into it and the fog just barely re- uh, revealing that there's a structure there and coming and going. And then at the end of the shot, you, you know, the fog kind of disappeared and, and revealed the building you know stuff like that that uh you couldn't sort of come up with yeah you yeah, know, yeah. Which, uh, and then it's captured on film which just feels uh, in a way very much more valuable so it's like so it's almost like a kind of a kind of presence on a presence <laughs> as it were you've got the you've got what you're yeah. seeing and then what the film does with what it, what you're seeing yeah Exactly. And then obviously yeah. the design of the buildings have such a, or, or you know, the shapes that are used and the, the concrete as a texture has its has its own language as well. So there's there's all against again thinking of the image I'm looking at, you know, against any kind of contrasting natural shape, you kind of questions are begin to ask. And I'm guessing with whatever Tilda Swinton might be saying in the narration, your mind is doing all kinds of quizzes while you're trying to make sense of what you're seeing and what you're hearing, plus the music. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would say that's pretty accurate. And and uh, um, um, in, in a way, it's a very simple film, or like it it, it has like the uh, you know the it has the narration, Tilda Swinton's narration, it has the music, and then the images, and that's you know those are the three elements that you kind of always try to balance. Um, that's like um, you know that we want in this part we want the music to create emotion. Here, Tilda is saying something that will trigger this idea, and then we have the images to kind of support that idea. And you know, it's it's a it's it's a very interesting process in that sense. Opposed to you know we have a scene we need to sort of connect these images to tell uh, you know. To, to tell the the scene or to you know have the actors react to um, whatever's happening in the scene and and kind of and then build from there um, but here we could build uh, you know start with music and and then build the scene from that or okay. an image uh, and build a scene from that so which kind of creates endless opportunities and that's also why it took so long to to edit the film um, Really, in, in in what why why did that sort of extend the life of the editing process? I think because there's no um, there 
like you could edit this film in a million ways. I, maybe that's true for for most films, but you know, you when you shoot a uh, a scene you you cover it and you know there's you know so many ways to cover it and then you kind of edit it to make it stronger yeah uh, but but here we you know if if we there was no narrative in the images that needed to be put in a certain order um so you know and anything goes in, in a way so just so then you have to kind of find um the whole language of the film, the, you know, the grammar of the film, you have to kind of invent that from scratch. Wow. Okay. Um, so, so that was, you know, obviously a challenge for, for Johan to kind of find the right, uh, grammar and, and while also, you know, working on the, the music that also had to fit <laughs> or, and would influence the grammar of the film. So, so I was going to say, so when you, when you were doing these recce's in the morning for what you were going to shoot, um, was that based on sort of extracts from the book or was this based on a kind of adaptation of the book no, in narration form? I think we were more collecting, you know, material um, without having necessarily a, a strong idea where in the film this specifically, you know, would, okay, would so, end so, up. So truly experimental in that sense. Yes, yes. Got you, got you. And, and out of it, just the way you've been talking about it and thinking about what my mind's eyes now seeing, um, how much of an influence would you say something like Legete would be in terms of what you've what you've achieved? Because obviously that that has a narrative as such, but it but it, it is also um, playing with notions of sci-fi and society and stuff. And yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm sure Johan had that in you know in mind and was a big fan of that film. Mm. Um, so it's that's clearly a, a, a reference. Um, but also, you know, in maybe a very kind of less romantic way, um, the, the Katsi trilogy, Kayana's Katsi, uh, I don't know if you've I don't know uh, seen one, this, no, no, go on. um, which, which are, you know, Philip Glass, uh, had this amazing score and, and then they, uh, kind of show the world, um, fr from a very kind of, uh, objective standpoint, mm. um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful films. Um, so that was also a reference. Um, can I can I ask you? You've got you. We've mentioned Tilda Swinton doing the narration on the film. So can you talk to us about how how you got Tilda Swinton on the project? Um, uh, that was through you know that was Johan's. Uh, he had a. She was a fan and contacted Johan uh, or wrote him an email and like. I'm a fan. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, so, so Johan kind of got in touch with her um, based on, on that um, and and went to, to Scotland to record uh, her, you know, the narration, which was, you know, based on, uh, obviously, it's based on the last chapter of the novel. And okay. he, he kind of rewrote that or edited that, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, into a script and then, you know, went up to Scotland and recorded Tilda for two days. What 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 would you say, having gone having got to the point where the film's ready to go and given the the huge existential question about time and space and the end of the human race, what 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 does it make what's it made you think 
in terms of where we're, where we're all heading now as a human race? Has it, has it changed your view, like being involved with the project list and seeing how the world's behaving about its own future? Or, or can you, cause does, does, this, does this project inform really how flawed human beings are? I, I think what, what I take from, from the film now that I watch it isn't, isn't, isn't this kind of fatalistic, is that a word? Yeah, yeah, fatalistic, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, uh, idea, or it, it's, it's not about the, you know, the doom, because there's, there's also hope in the film, and there's a, there's a kind of a reconciliation that, you know, that, that the human, uh, there, there's, you know, there's so much joy also in, in humanity and, and so much, so many good things. And we should, you know, that's kind of also the message from the future is like, we should, you know, we should also take pride in, in all the good things. Um, uh, and that when, when, when we come together, uh, we can, we can, uh, change things for the better. Um, there's, there are these messages also in, in the film that, uh, mm. that I, I, I think it's also important to, to focus on. And, 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 and given obviously, um, your, your un, untimely death, um, do you, do you want to give maybe uh, the listener a, a sort of abiding memory of collaborating with Johan on this project that you that you hold dear? Um, excuse me, I didn't hear that uh, question. Um, g- g- given given Johan Johansson's sort of no longer with us, um, and having yeah. collaborated with him on it, would would you give the listener perhaps uh, an abiding memory that you have of Johan having having collaborated with him? That, that stands out for you from from doing this project. I think I think uh, something that that stands out from from the the shoot um, was I mean basically we were driving around in in a small van, me and Johan and two assistants mm-hmm. um, uh, for three weeks around the Balkans. So it was, it was kind of like being on a on a tour. Uh, so we obviously got to know each other really well, and I um, I remember during we were driving in the mountains of Montenegro, and uh, Johan got a phone call, and it was uh, from his uh, manager, I think, that he had you know gotten a Golden Globe uh, nomination for Theory of Everything, <laughs> um, and and we kind of pulled over on on the on the side uh, of the road, you know, in, in this beautiful landscape in between two tunnels and uh, to kind of have a, a breather. And, and uh, this was, you know, amazing. Jan mm. uh, aware was a very kind of, uh, uh, you know, he didn't get like super excited. He's very Icelandic in that way, but, but we were pretty excited about it. Um, and we found a box of blueberry wine <laughs> <laughs> that was just standing there on the road and we opened a bottle and, and we were sitting there, uh, you know, drinking blueberry wine and kind of celebrating his Golden Globe nomination. And I, I think I've, you know, obviously that's a really good memory that I have with Johan. And, and uh, uh, I don't know if there's like a metaphor there between these two tunnels or, you know, and, and his his career kind of really taking off you know, from that moment mm. where he, where he, he was, you know, focusing on being a director and, uh, 
you know, from from there on, he was Oscar nominated. You know, all projects started pouring in, um, and he was, you know, probably the most uh, sought after composer in the world for for a few years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good, barely barely started, had he? Yet he was. Yet there's a lot yeah. of his work out there at the same time. Yeah. So so that was. Um, uh, yeah, that was a good. No, good so, no, so, no, so yeah. wonderful. That's a wonderful way of <laughs> way of thinking about 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 his memory. Um, so let's 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 wrap up then. Um, in um, so last last and first men, he's going to have his world premiere on the uh, Tuesday the twenty fifth at three pm at Bill and Ali at the. I don't know what the name of the cinema is. Do you know, do you know what, what, where where it's playing on the twenty fifth? Uh, is it uh, House der Festspiele? Maybe something like that. Um, that rings a bell. I'll put a link. I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes so everyone will know. Um, great, great. So that the pair of us who don't know, and it's playing again on Wednesday, twenty sixth. I think that's Cubic Six. As well as uh, Last and First Man, you've also got um, other work appearing at Bill and Ali. So do you want to talk about that as well, please? Uh, yes, that is correct. That's a, a film uh, called Shirley about the the also about, about or it's about an author uh, the author Shirley Jackson okay uh, and uh, it's directed by Josephine Decker the house on haunted hill Shirley Jackson that's Shirley yes so so this is is a sort of a, a fictional biopic i would say of uh, Shirley Jackson's life it's kind of a, it's myth, based on the myth book. and le- myth and legend exactly um and uh yeah, it's uh, Josephine Decker is a very uh, or extremely talented and uh, also kind of an experimental filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, who's had, I think, all of her film screening at Berlin before. Um, her last film was called Madeline's Madeline, uh, which was a kind of a big indie success in okay. uh, in the states. And um, yeah, we premiered Shirley in at Sundance uh, a couple of weeks ago, where it won the the Auteur Award. Fantastic. Yes. So we'll be screening, uh, uh, I think, on the Monday 24th yep. at noon. Do you know where? Um, it will be at Cinemax 7, I think. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't I don't think... Sh- I think given, given Mike Flanagan's... Netflix treatment of uh, House on Haunted Hill. I don't think Shirley Jackson's name couldn't be more sort of front and centre right now. So, so it's yeah. a good, good, time, no, it's, good it's, time for a film about her to come out. Yeah, it's an, uh, yeah exactly. Not too many pe- people know of her work. I mean, and, but it's uh, it's an interesting story. It stars Elizabeth Moss, who's do have you know a great performance in it. Uh, um, so it's yeah worth a look. And what would um just just from a cinematography point of view then um what what were the the sort of it's weird this because usually when I'm doing my podcast I'm talking to a director about <laughs> about what their conversation was like with a cinematographer about yeah. the look and feel of the film so from your yeah. point of view what what was um what was the director saying to you and how did that conversation go in terms of what the look and feel of that film was meant to be was it, were you presented with any obvious influences or any obvious looks because you know her, her, her as a, as a as an author of work, it's been realised on the screen in various in various generations now, hasn't it? So it's not even like there's like one particular way of seeing her work visually, and then you've got how people think of the books. So 
how does the conversation go with that kind of um with that kind of film well the, i think the interesting part with this is that it's you know it's a it's a it's a film about a, a certain period in Shirley Jackson's life that may or may not have happened. Okay. And it's, uh, it's, it's telling the story of, of her writing her next uh, novel and where, and you know, where she finds inspiration in, in her writing. So it becomes this sort of surreal, um, story about where you're kind of not sure what's, you know, if it's her fantasy or imagination or if it's, you know, happening in real life and it kind of mixes together. So it's, um, so our, and, and Josephine Decker has also a very kind of unique visual style, I, I feel like. So, um, and she thinks very abstractly. There wasn't like any clear reference. This movie should feel like this or look like that. It's, uh, She's very much her own auteur. Okay. Um, and uh, so we, that that was really also very experimental. We came up with a few cons, you know, visual concepts that we that we um, you know that we followed, uh, which you know had uh, we kind of named them like creature and uh, float and uh, <laughs> uh, so, so kind of abstract concepts that help us kind of point in a certain direction of, of the visuals okay so the vision you you, you kind of created your own language within within the the, the the process of making the film yeah yeah okay cool correct and it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on britflix podcast well thank you thank you very much nice talking to you alan parker said sometimes with the british film industry it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 